City have another chance. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. My name is Gavin, and today we will be discussing the 0-0 draw against Atlanta United. First game of the season. Great to be back. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be at the game as I had work. Uh, but Chase here was able to be at the game. Chase, first of all, how are you doing? And what was it like to be at the stadium? Uh, I'm doing good. It was, you know, it's great to have the MLS back in store. Um, you know, it's something that we've kind of missed having a, you know, it wasn't full capacity, but there was a good amount of fans there. So it was, it was a great experience, something that I hope, you know, keeps getting better and better. And eventually we can kind of get back to full capacity. You know, it's something that we haven't experienced in a while. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So just you and I tonight, no Daniel, no Adam, mm. unfortunately, they kind of dipped out on us. Um, we're all busy gone. people. Yeah. Just, just the young kids, the young college mm. kids. So being at the stadium, I wanted to just get your thoughts on the game. Obviously, when I'm watching on TV and you're watching at the stadium, I see certain things you don't see. You see certain things that I don't see. I wanted to ask you if you saw anything specific that you liked that maybe people weren't seeing on the television. Um, I mean, I don't know if it comes across as something that I was just this kind of a general thing about seeing games live, but there's a like a quicker pace of play maybe than mine have came across. Like I, I thought a lot of the players were pretty sharp. I didn't particularly think anyone was that bad, uh, to be honest. And, you know, we certainly kind of look like a team who wasn't in midseason form, which makes sense. But um, you know, I, I, I think that we did well on the ball. We got into you know, we were getting into areas where we were kind of getting into our final third. I think we just kind of lacked the the player, maybe, or like the instinct all around just to kind of consistently create quality chances, which, um, you know, I think it was, it, it's something that, you know, I was happy to be at the game, but I kind of walked away with a sentiment that I think a lot of people walked away with, and that was that it was a little bit, you know, maybe, I don't want to say boring, but, you know what I'm saying, it wasn't the most exciting game of all time. I don't think either team necessarily created great chances. Um, and, you know, we had a couple here and there, but it wasn't necessarily consistent. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, have, I have a few players in mind, I'm sure you do as well, that I thought played particularly well. But, yeah, it was, it was an all right performance, and, and there are some good things to take away from it. But, you know, I think as we go on into the season, players are, you know, more fit. We're going to see... Uh, you know, maybe a, a bit more of an entertaining style of play, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah, and obviously, uh, this is this is kind of where I wanted to lead the podcast to, so that's perfect. You kind of you kind of put me in the perfect spot to do so. We definitely missed Pereira, and this is something we we talked about on this podcast a lot last season. We are not a great team without him. Yet again, you know, we go with the 4-4-2. We don't even try to replace him in terms of like-for-like uh, like substitute. We we switch to a whole different style of play, a whole new formation, and um, we just try and create chances on, um, not counterattack, but more transition play. And I think you can see that in terms of who was the dominant team uh, in terms of possession, I should say. Uh, I would say we were the dominant team in terms of chances. I think we made the better chances, and I, I think we made more chances closer to goal. Uh, even though we had the same number of shots and shots on target, I think our chances were better. But we definitely missed Pereira. Um, how big of an impact do you think it will be to have him back? Do you think we're going to see a very similar style of play going into next week? Or do you think it's um, going to be a little bit different? Maybe we stick with this 4-4-2. What, what are your thoughts on on? Obviously, Pereira not being in the game and how, what it means for next uh, next week. No, I think that you know we'll probably go back to the the four three three standard that we've been playing, or at least something that we'll kind of see. You know, three men in the midfield. Um, I think that's probably where we are most comfortable, and I think that's where we looked our best when we had like a full strength squad last year. Um, I, you know, we weren't really the team, like you said, that was most dominant with the ball. We had, I want to say. A lot lower possession. I'm just I think it was 60 40. Yeah. yeah, it was 60 40 to Atlanta. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, we weren't necessarily outclassed on the field, but uh, I, you know, that's there were some times last year where we were maybe the team with the ball more often than not. And I think Atlanta, too, they're a team who probably this year will look to keep the ball a little bit more, especially if you look at the players that they brought in. Um, and, you know, they have a lot of, uh, like, like across their back line, they have a lot of players that they think will be 
you know, pretty good on the ball in, in their midfielders, especially like Santiago Sosa, I think maybe was clearly, I don't know if he had the best performance, but he is one of the brightest players in the field today. Like he looks like a very, he was like, really a, like a fantastic good. player. Yeah. Like he was defending a lot, you know, in, interrupting play. And he was just kind of the one looking to get on the ball at all time, which is something that, you know, people kind of probably knew about going into the game. Like at the, uh, in, in the CONCACAF Champions League, we saw him kind of even sometimes dropping between the center backs playing that kind of like quarterback role and, and being like the metronome of Atlanta, but this isn't an Atlanta United podcast, you know, this, um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think that we'll probably go back to that, that four, three, three with some combination of maybe Perea at the base or so. And then, um, uh, Pereira on obviously when he comes back um, and you know I wouldn't necessarily class us as a possession team or a counter-attacking team I think we can kind of take advantage of both um, but when he's back into the squad I think you know we'll continue to get into good areas and, and to progress the ball into to dangerous areas but we'll have a little bit more of a, a bite and attack I guess if that makes sense and, and kind of control over the game because there were some spells where you know, we were kind of backed into our own half and, and you know, some spells not, but I, I think that we'll see less and less of that as we get, you know, our most important player probably back into the 11. Yeah, and I feel like we've talked this to death, but for me personally, the mere fact that we are unable to replace him, just in terms of even a lesser quality player, we just don't even attempt to, to replace what he brings. I'm not a big fan of that. You know, I'm not a big fan that, oh, you know, we're so reliant on this one player to to connect our attack so we can be a good team, you know, then all of a sudden he's out for a red card, he's out for an, uh, an injury, and then, nope, we are, we have to change system, we, we don't, we don't look like a competent team, or maybe not competent, but you know, we don't look like a dangerous team. We didn't look top four today, in my opinion. I, I do think it's interesting that you said that you thought everyone looked sharp, because on the television side of things, I would say there were a couple of moments where it was like, eh, I wish, you know, we were a little better here. We were a little better there. The word that came to mind and that I talked about talked about on Twitter was was laziness. I thought that some of our touches were lazy. Some of our movements were lazy. Some of our passes were lazy. We uh, I, that that was what I saw on the television. So it's just frustrating, and obviously some of that can be attributed to first game. Some of that can be attributed to we respected Atlanta a lot. But overall, I just think it's really frustrating that that's the kind of performance we turn out turn up with on the regular without Maurizio Pereira. You know, does that bother you as much as it really bothers me? The, the just we aren't able to even attempt to replace this one player in our squad. Like that's not a feasible way to go on through a season. No, yeah, I mean. That and the left back situation, which, you know, like we said, we kind of did try to address and then, you know, things went a certain way. But that probably, you know, getting depth in that attacking midfield or at least someone who is first team ready because we have a couple academy guys right now who, you know, could play in that position, whether or not they have the trust to, you know, maybe start the first game. Maybe we'll see them more throughout the season. So, yeah, we have a lot of academy guys who can uh you know fill in like david lorea probably jordan bender sees himself kind of more centrally even though he kind of gets deployed on the right a lot um but yeah it's if we don't feel like we have anyone that can come in and be kind of a like for like replacement because like you said it's not really great if you miss one player and you have to completely alter your play style um it would make sense that if you you know everyone has important first team players like seattle's like nico ladero and stuff like that and these two players aren't necessarily too different but um I, I don't really want to be a side that, you know, we kind of rely on one player. Like, we're not a one-man team, but we are just not the same team going forward, I guess, without Mauricio Pereira. And there's really nobody that steps up in his absence. Not Chris, not Nani, you know. Uh, I, I thought, like, everyone was pretty decent, but I do think, you know, I, I can understand what you're saying, how there was a little bit of laziness, particularly, um, I don't know if this is controversial. And I think he kind of grew into the game. And it's hard to assess players like this because uh, I'm talking about Pato. Like he had two chances where he arguably should have scored goals, and and there were some, you know, decent spells where he showed that he is a quality player. But I think that there are some times that he was a little bit slow, I guess, and and you know he 
he would lose the ball or, or he would try to turn and kind of get his pass intercepted, if that makes sense. And it, it was a little bit frustrating. Um, and, and you could say the same in some instances about a lot of players. Like, you know, it definitely did look like a first game of the season type game, though I do think that there were still some good things to take from it. Um, but yeah, back to what you were saying, like, it's it's something that had to be addressed in in the regular or not the regular season I'm sorry but in the off season and it really wasn't um, it wasn't even really looked at in the draft like maybe we could have tried to trade up and get like someone like a Danny Pereira that which you know he's the first overall pick so that's not feasible but you know I'm just kind of spitballing but like whether we looked in the market or what or you know maybe even give a young player a chance this game which is something that I would like to see a little bit more particularly when you look at who our coach is uh it's yeah it's we're just you know we're kind of beating a dead horse when we say this but we're not the same team without Mauricio and you don't want to say that when one player goes down for any team we have to have kind of a backup plan and if our backup plan is to kind of sit in this 4-4-2 and you know really look like we don't have a whole lot of ideas going forward at times it's it's yeah it's not something that you would want yeah and just I don't know it's just frustrating you know, we, I, you can explain each situation. Like, you can explain why he decided to start the game off a little bit more passive. You know, you don't want to start aggressive and then get caught on the counter against your rivals and you're down 2-0 in the first 10 minutes of the season, similar to what we did against NYCFC a couple years ago. Um, or, or was that even last year? You know, you don't want to go down 2-0 and then look really bad and then and then come back and you know, be, be in a bad position and then you lose your first game against your rivals and then your, your season, you know, it doesn't get started on a great, great setting. So I can understand being passive in those first 15 minutes. Okay. And, but the thing is, is we just played like long ball tactics, you know, clip it over the top. Tesho was running onto it, trying to hold up, but you know, we know, we all know Tesho is not the best at that. And Pato was pretty absent. And then we got into the water break. Some some small tactical changes were made. Uh, we bring some players closer together, more inside. We looked like this was the plan to get through those first 15 minutes anyway, and then we were going to turn up the heat. I'd say we did. We were pretty dominant in the last half of the first half, um, and that's where we made some pretty decent chances, and we started dominating the game more. You know, th- this looked like the game plan. You know, ease into the game, then have a go okay we didn't score came out of halftime had another go and then atlanta finished the game strong and it's just like it was an even game where neither team really went full throttle for the win um and maybe that's why i i attribute um some of the uh some of the performances to um not to my liking just because of the way that we we um, set up for the game the way we brought ourselves into the game. I do want to look at a couple individuals though And the first two individuals I wanted to look at were Urso and Mendez. We obviously had that pretty long discussion about um, Who we thought was you know our, our better pairs of, of central midfielders and Pereja Oscar Pereja went with Mendez and Urso to start the season against Atlanta Honestly, I'm not too surprised. You know, you have the experience in Urso. You have the uh, now experienced Orlando City player Mendez, who um, is growing in, in stature with with the club, and he's getting he's getting better every season. Um, even though we had the discussion last week that he may be uh, stalled a little bit, but he actually looked pretty good today. I wanted to get your thoughts on our central midfielder's performance. What did you like? What did you not like about them? Yeah, um, honestly, I think that Junior Urso was maybe for me the player of the game, and um, you know, I, I don't, I don't have the luxury, I guess, of like rewatching it and stuff like that. So a lot of my takes kind of come off from what I see live and what I see through the highlights and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, Junior was kind of he was maybe in a bit more of like a box to box role. I, I would say honestly, both of them were, but Junior was winning the ball a lot. Um, he was coming deep to win the ball. He was kind of doing well in the press and and he was even like kind of playing forwards out wide to kind of spring attacks and and you know start start an attack and like maybe uh help us create some chances i guess um because you know ball progression especially in a 4-4-2 you have to see a lot of that from the midfielders um and you know switching the field of play and playing it out wide and you know junior and sebastian mendez um they're two players who maybe you wouldn't associate with having kind of this like expansive passing range and being able to get on the ball and kind of control the tempo of the game. But I think that junior actually did a really good 
a really good job with that. Um, yeah, and I think the big thing is Urso's movement as yeah. well. Like his movement is is top class. I just wish he was better at utilizing the space he gets because he wouldn't be at Orlando City if he was better at it, obviously. Mm, but like yes. he's really good at finding those pockets of space where nobody's near him. And then he just doesn't hurt teams to the standard that you want him to. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, that's where you kind of see like the difference between a player like him and Urso. And Urso obviously has some qualities, uh, Mauricio Pereira and Urso, I should say. And Urso has some qualities that, you know, he might be better in some departments. But Mauricio is really good at getting into that space and then being able to like turn quick and really keep the ball moving at a quicker pace and, you know, advance attacks forward. And, you know, like I said, Junior kind of, he deputized well on that. And, you know, I thought he had a really good game as a box-to-box midfielder. And we just kind of needed someone who maybe was able to receive the ball and get us going forward at, like, a quicker pace, catching teams out and, and creating attacks. But overall, like, I thought he did well. He defended really well, as I said. I think he had, like, three tackles, two interceptions, and he recovered possession a couple times. Um, and, and Sebastian himself, like, he was in more of – you know, I know we talked last time that he's not necessarily the greatest going forward. Um, but I think that he was pretty decent um, this game. And you can kind of not excuse, but there there is one moment, obviously, where, where Pato had the ball and he was kind of dribbling through uh, Atlanta United's back line in their box, which, you know, Sebas did well to kind of set up and play him in through. But he maybe didn't have good enough spatial recognition, I guess, going forward. He kind of crashed onto his own defender and maybe took away what could have been a clear goal-scoring opportunity, and he kind of hit it wide. I'm sure everyone knows what I'm talking about. But, yeah, he's a player that has, you know, a certain amount of dynamism, and he's able to kind of play in tight spaces, which is something that we benefit from a lot. Um, but overall, I, you know, as you can tell, I, I thought he was decent, and maybe a lot of what I, – I, and I have seen a lot of people say that, you know, he had a very good game, and I thought that he was good. But um, I might have missed something, you know what I'm saying? Like, do, like, what would you say he excelled at this game? Mendez, personally? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually really liked him on the ball. Um, I thought mm. that he looked comfortable in possession, a lot more comfortable than usual. Um, I, I would have to pull up his his um, pass percentage numbers and how many he passed forwards and backwards and all that to, to kind of confirm that belief. But just from overall viewing of the game and, and looking at the highlights again, I think... I think I just liked overall his his on-ball play, and obviously he broke up a, a counterattack or two, I think, which is normal Mendez. Um, and it, it's just like that's what I think we've come to expect from him. And obviously he's not going to bring that every single game, but that's the sort of performance that when you put Sebastian Mendez on the team sheet, I think, yeah, that's what we're getting out of that player. We're getting decent player on the ball, Um might get into attacking positions a couple times, make those runs, you know, not going to be great in the attacking third, which we saw yet again in this game, like the chance you brought up, but also he's going to stop a couple of counterattacks, and that's what he did as well. So I think he's a good presence in the midfield. He helps us win that midfield battle, but yet again, we're not getting that offensive output, which I know you guys say, not just saying you guys in terms of you, Daniel and Adam, I, I just mean, People in general say we shouldn't have offensive threat from our midfield, but like when he's, you know, when you're getting to those areas, I I do think at some point you need to start expecting players to have more quality. And I think that's one of my biggest frustrations with him is he gets into the box and he, he just loses it. He loses all sense of composure and the ball gets fired over, the ball gets fired wide, he toe pokes the ball away from Alexandre Pato. It's just frustrating. Um, But overall, in terms of his performance, it was on the ball, on the ball play. I think he I think he had a really good game in progressive passing and moving the ball up the field, which is not something I would 100 percent link with a Sebastian Mendes performance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And also, you know, aside from like you said, like kind of going forward and attacking third, um, I think that he sometimes which you can kind of attribute to any young midfielder like he would create or sorry um commit some kind of silly defensive errors i guess and i didn't really particularly notice anything like that going forward now we weren't necessarily pressured too much like atlanta weren't 
really creating dangerous chances or even really running at us a whole lot, except for a couple of spells, I would say, towards like the end of the game. But, you know, I, I think that there are some errors maybe in his game previously that, you know, it's only one game, but they kind of didn't show their head as much as they have previously. Yeah, and this seems to be what happens with him. He started the last couple of years strong, and then he slowly kind of dissipates. Third year in a row, he started the year strong. You know, hopefully he can be a little bit more consistent this season. Another player who um, I would like to see a little bit more consistency from was the player who got hooked at halftime. Akindele had a pretty subpar performance. He gets the nod. Um, I think you'll probably agree with me on this one. I just think he gets it because he knows the system and, you know, we're not going to go with Pato and IS in our first game or Pato and then Vanderwater. Um, that, that's just my opinion. He got, he got the start because he knows the system, I think, uh, which is fair enough. You know, he's still a, a impactful player for our team. I don't really have a problem with him starting this game, um, but I do have a problem with his performance. Uh, it just wasn't yeah. that great. Um, I mean, there isn't much more to say on Akindele. You know, you, you're going to get what you're going to get. Just the inconsistency is frustrating. How many more times do you think we're going to see this player start? And then how many more times, like how much longer before he finally gets phased out of the starting lineup? Yeah, especially think... if he's going to keep having these performances. Yeah. You know, one thing that we always kind of talk about with Tesho is like, you know, despite him scoring, I think, 10 goals in his first season with us, um, you know, not this season, but the season prior or not the past season, but the season before that, um, he's pretty good, almost as like a withdrawn forward. And he's decent with his back to goal and kind of laying it off and and keeping possession going like he's not like an elite forward. And obviously no one thinks that he is. I, I didn't think that Oscar kind of likes him. You know, he's worked with him at, you know, at FC Dallas, I want to say. And, you know, he were, he's been here for a couple of years now, so he's very familiar with the system. Um, but he today, I want to say, yeah, uh, he had six accurate passes in one half, which is something, you know, especially with a player of his play style and what you kind of have this perception that he brings to the table isn't great. He only got on ball 14 times. He had 14 touches, I should say. Um, and, yeah, it he just he wasn't great, you know what I'm saying? And and even when he did get on the ball, it didn't necessarily look as controlled. And you can kind of attribute that to being, you know, like we're going to say with a lot of players here, just being very early in the season. And previously, there have been times where he looked decent. There have been times that he looked passable. But I would probably agree of every player. And I know that I said, you know, I thought everyone was pretty decent. I would say that he was probably the one player that I would say was pretty poor. Um and and maybe poor isn't even the right word. He was often just kind of invisible, like not really involved, which isn't something that you want to see, particularly when you're playing kind of like a two-striker formation. Um, and I don't know if necessarily he matches up with Pato very well. Um, I think both of them kind of like to receive the ball and then maybe lay it off. And and I think Pato does well enough running off. Like, you know, he was able to get slipped in a few times uh, in behind. Um, but I don't know. I think that there are some similarities to their game that kind of make them not mesh well together. And I kind of think that's probably one of the reasons that he got pulled off at halftime. Um, yeah. And for him to kind of get phased out, I think we have to start seeing more of a lot of our strikers, you know, and that's not something that's really been happening. You know, uh, if you look at Ayas, who got in today and once again, you know, which was a trend all last year and it started with the first game here, which is something that I'm kind of pretty disappointed about on the day like he came in the 90th minute with no real time to kind of show what he's about particularly because that was the time where one of the you know spells in the game where Atlanta was really getting on the ball and we didn't have much of uh, impact going forward actually I'm looking at his stats right now and he only played like two minutes I want to say and he didn't even really get to touch yeah, the ball or have any impact on the, the game ball, right yeah so it's it's not something ideal especially now where we see Pato you know thankfully it's not ACL, MCL, something like that, where he's going to be out for six months plus for out for the rest of the season, even. But it's a lower body injury, and we don't know much about it. But he could miss anywhere from two weeks to two months, you know. And and we're going to have to start relying on other strikers, and we're going to have to look at who we can play going forward. And I already see kind of the discussions going on about like, oh, can you know maybe Chris try to be moved in centrally or, or Vanderbilt even. Which, I mean, I understand where that thought process is coming from because, honestly, there really is no clear answer. So you might kind of start thinking of 
I don't want to say weird, but you know what I'm saying? Like odd things to kind of satiate the problem. But well, there is a clear answer. Yeah, there no is one a, wants it. Yeah, there is a clear answer. He just hasn't ever really had much of an opportunity to show that. And I think that that's something that has to change. Like personally, I want to see IS start uh, at least half, if not more of the games as, as the starting striker uh, in the time that Pato is out, however long that may be. Um, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not even really saying that I think he's like going to be a great player. I'm just saying that, like, I really have no idea. Like, I did a little bit of scouting, much like I'm sure a lot of people did when he came in, and, and there are some good aspects to his game. He's He was a decent finisher. He was able to kind of do well on the hold-up play. Like, he was really good in Copa del Rey in 2019, I want to say. Um, and we just haven't really had much of an opportunity to see that, and I want to see more of that, obviously, because we're going to find ourselves in situations like this where, you know, the player we brought in to be our starting striker for – significant portions of the game he might get injured particularly because he's a not fit player who is in his 30s and you know Tesho Akindele has never really been a world a world beater so we have to kind of look to our bench and and I think Benji is good as well but I mean we brought Ayas in for a reason and I would like to see a little bit more of him and you know that's kind of something that you know if you give a player the opportunity like it's up to them to take it but I would like for them to at least be given the opportunity you know what I'm saying yeah, and let me clarify. When I was when I said that no one wants it in terms of there's only one or not one option, but there's a clear option. I was saying mm. I think Akindele is going to get the role. Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when Pereira comes back, there's a one striker system. I think Akindele is going to be our starting striker. I don't like that at all. I think it yeah, should yeah. be IS because if you think about it, I think if you have Pereira, Mueller, and Nani, which we will talk about. Um, all playing off of IS, you know, you don't need him to be hold up like DK. You can have IS be that kind of buzzing striker who who makes runs in behind and, and pushes teams back and lets Pereira, Mueller, and Nani push up the pitch and, and get more space. And, you know, I, I think that would be just as fine with our system, just like Daryl DK was. Going back to my original question, talking about Akindele and his performance, I think part of it was he didn't have many people close to him. And so that's, you know, the, the ball was getting fired up and he was supposed to just like somehow get the ball, hold it up and wait for some some help. And I think he only did that like once or twice successfully because overall, I just don't think he's that good of a hold up player. Like everyone talks about, you know, oh, Akindele, you know, if you want a hold up, you bring on Akindele. It's like, no. No, if, if you want a hard-working, pressing forward who knows where to stand defensively, then you bring on Akindele. He's not some hold-up striker like DK was. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's just because he's big or if we've seen him like make a layoff before. Like I don't know why <laughs> people have that perception of him. Like Yeah. He's not a I, he's not a target man. Yeah. I think that he did had some good spells particularly in MLS's back tournament and maybe that's kind of clouding my judgment a little bit but um above all like if you're gonna look at kind of like goal scoring versus maybe being a little bit involved in play and you're right like he brings a little bit to a press if we're looking to start out pressing which you know we kind of do that in a cycle um so it isn't necessarily always the you know it, he doesn't have the opportunity to make an impact on the game but it, but you know I think kind of the conclusion that can be drawn by what we're saying is he is pretty much a very limited player um, who deputized pretty well one year, but he hasn't really brought a whole lot to the game since. And you have to kind of start looking at other options. And, uh, you know, we're not necessarily doing that. And I, I'm sure this could probably bring us into another topic. You know, the other two are gone. So maybe I'll try to take a, a shot at being the host here for a second. But uh, his, his substitution was Andres Perea. Like, what did you kind of think about the role he was playing because at times it kind of looked like he was almost playing as maybe like a second striker that was asked being asked to come back because he was really high up the pitch for a lot of times, particularly early in the first half. Yeah. I think you're almost spot on. That's kind of similar to what I was thinking. He was really high up and, and I think that that Oscar likes to use him up there and I, I don't particularly like that for him. I like him deeper. I like him where he can see the field. He can feel the ball, get it, get touches on the ball, and and you know, be the uh, the bus driver of the team. That's what I'm thinking of. Like he controls where we go. 
I don't like when he uh, gets the ball and, and has two players running on his back and he has to turn and, and shift and, and shimmy and try and get the ball off of his feet. But he was very high up the pitch, you know. It was all, yeah, I think he was playing deployed as a second striker playing off of Pato. I, or someone, someone gave us the pronunciation Pato. It was Moraima, Pato, not, mm. not Pato. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Moraima for that one. Pato. Uh, I'll say it correctly now. Um, he was playing close to him and they were playing well off of each other. Um, he was a lot more impactful than Akindele. Um, I think everyone who watched the game would agree with that statement. Um, he just brought fresh energy off the bench, um, fresh youthful energy that this team needed. The only problem is, is he's not an attacking mid. So I don't know why we keep deploying him there. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of the same thing that I said with Akindele. You know, Akindele is there for a sort of defensive purpose. Yes, he can put the ball in the back of the net. Yes, he can be in good positions, but he is one of our best pressing forwards. He is the one who puts the defense under pressure and makes it hard for them to get into our half, let alone in our third of the field. When you deploy Andres Perea at second striker, attacking midfielder, uh, somewhere in that, that zone of the pitch, you are asking him to be a pressing player. And... I don't know. I feel like I would rather have an attack-minded player there, especially in a close game like this one. Yeah, especially also when you have those types of players off the bench. It, it's it's not something that I would have done, but um, and obviously, yeah, Andres is better in the midfielder or in the midfield role. Especially, I think where he's best would probably be maybe as you know that kind of holding mid, that Tyler Adams esque holding mid, I guess if you will. I think that's where a lot of his best qualities come out. But I actually. I mean, I thought that he was was pretty good, which I think that's kind no, of he, also like yeah, a, he's good, but yeah. he's not he's not that's offensively not impactful. Role. Yeah, yeah, he well, I, I actually kind of thought that, which I agree. Like he's oftentimes kind of played as a bit of a box to box midfielder where he's asked to get forward, which I think a lot of his best qualities are his ability to maybe get the ball from the center backs or even drop it between the center backs and kind of play the ball forward and get us going and then do a, a, a lot of defensive work. But I think right now, and this isn't something that I want to see going forward, but just kind of looking at his performance today, um, I I thought he actually deputized pretty well there. You know, he he is a good player on the ball, um, and he he didn't necessarily get on the ball as much as you probably would like Andres Pereira in a given game, even though he only really had a half of soccer in something where we weren't necessarily the most dominant team on possession, but he showed some good movement and stuff in the box, particularly if we were in wide areas, like he found some space and it wasn't really ever, um, uh, it didn't really come of much, I guess you could say. And um, I, I don't know, it, it does sound kind of odd to say because this isn't a role that you want to see, but I think that he came on and like you said, brought a lot of energy and he even kind of got into the wide areas and tried to send in some balls and, and he worked all right with Pato and, but yeah, it's it's not something that I want to see really anymore. And I want to see him get a lot more minutes, particularly in, you know, a position where he is better suited for like holding midfielder. Yeah, and I think I think he's a really smart player. Mm -hmm. Um I think he he's tactically astute. He knows where to stand, he knows where the coach wants him, and he knows how to how to make an impact on the game and how to adapt to a game. I think he's a very smart player actually. Um so I think that's why he looks good in, in many positions because he knows what he needs to do to, to fulfill his role. Now, I don't think he has the quality that we need to be a you know backup attacking midfielder. And that is just because yeah. like like he can fill in and he can do a job there, but it's, it's very similar to in my mind, it's very similar to Akindele. It's very similar like if Akindele is starting because someone's injured, it's like, okay, well, who's going to score the goals today? Because it's sure it's sure only going to be Akindele. Like for me, it's who's going to create the goals today because it's not going to be Perea. You know, he's not going to get a, a, an assist or get the pre-assist or which is which is now an MLS assist. Like that's just not happening. Which is annoying that we are deploying a player who I think is well suited for this team in the role that Mendez played. Today, I, it's very frustrating that we're deploying him 
further up the pitch to cover for Pereira being absent every time he's absent. You know, and I'm surprised I'm surprised he didn't start the game because again, maybe Pereja went to him to Akindele because he knows this system and he wanted to start off like this because they saw something they liked in terms of transition. But what they practiced on the training ground, what Pereja thought would happen, you know, in in how he wanted to deploy Akindele, it clearly wasn't working, and that's why he got hooked at halftime. Another player who got hooked, and I do think he got hooked, uh, maybe you would disagree with me, is Luis Nani. Um, very rarely do we see him come off the pitch. Do you think that was more down to his performance or down to, okay, he's an older player, first game of the season, he's probably pretty tired, let's get a, a debut, or no, Benji came on for him, so let's get Benji Michelle on the pitch, get some runners in there, and see what we can we can do attacking. Uh, what, what do you, wh- where do you lean on that spectrum in terms of, Nani's performance and Nani coming off the pitch in general. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think that he got yanked. I, I don't think he was too poor. I know that you have some, you know, opinions, I guess, about like kind of him as a player and his performance today. Um, I think that he is going to experience some fitness issues because he's now very comfortably in his mid thirties. Um, and you know, he, as Adam would say, eight or time is undefeated. Yeah. It, it, father time catches up to all of us and, and he's, <laughs> right. he's, he's no different. Um, but I thought, you know, I actually kind of thought that he was, he was tracking back, which is something that, you know, he can be criticized for an awful lot. Um, and, you know, there was a time in the game where I think one of the tactical changes that we made was, you know, he comes central an awful lot, but he also kind of dropped a little bit deeper. And then he was kind of the player kind of getting us to go forward. If I'm not mistaken, you know, I could be completely wrong on that. But uh, and I, I think we kind of started to look better a lot then or a lot after that change was made in the second half. Um, but, you know, there is also still some time where I think he gets on the ball and kind of slows a play down or something like that, like simple things like that, which, you know, he is someone who can really impact a game by himself. So I understand why he or even like the team itself would kind of look to him to try to get on the ball, especially in a game like this where we kind of are struggling to consistently create high quality chances um i i don't personally think you got yanked i'm interested or he got yanked rather i'm interested to hear kind of why you might think that but above all i think it was probably just a fitness thing and i think it's something that we're probably going to see going on into the season so i i'll keep this short and simple because i think most people know my my thoughts on nani at this point i just don't think he was amazing um I'm not asking him to be amazing every single game. I think that's unrealistic, but I would I would expect more from your DP level winger making two plus million a year. And um, I don't know. I, I was really frustrated with, again, we saw him looking for fouls, getting frustrated when he didn't get them, um, slowing down play. At one point, you could tell he didn't get a call, and then he gets up tries to dribble and then tries to bait a player into getting a call and it's like at that point you're not even focusing on the game you're just focusing on getting a a foul and like that's not the mentality I really want I want the mentality of okay you didn't get the call get up move the ball on let's try and form another attack and it's a selfish mentality and it's how he's played his whole life so it's not like I'm expecting him to change or anything it's just something that frustrates me and then the slowing down of the play style frustrates me as well. I'm not saying he had an awful game, um, but I'm also not saying that I was particularly angry when I saw him come off the pitch, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, part of I think part of what... Oh, let me finish here real quick, Chase, and then I'll, yeah, and then I'll let you go. No, go ahead, um, go ahead. Part of the reason I thought we as a team looked lazy is because the ball would get to Nani and movement would stop. You know, Akindele, Pato, Mueller, Mendez, no one was moving. And then he would try and dribble a couple of players. And then, you know, he got switched over to the right. And then he would just boot the ball into the box. Like, that's just laziness. You know, put the ball on the ground, give it to another player, and keep forming this attack. Don't just hit the ball into the box and hope that it falls to Akindele. You know, that's not how you're going to win games. That's just long ball, give the ball back to Atlanta and get back into your defensive shape almost. So, so I don't know. Overall, I just 
like I said, I was not mad to see him leave the pitch. Sorry, I just want to get that last point off. Go ahead, Chase. No, yeah, I got you. It, it you know, I don't want to sound like which you're not either. I don't want to sound like I'm dunking on a player. Like he is, he is someone that will come up for us in big moments an awful lot, and that's something you would hope for from your best player. But I think it's a fair point where like. If you look at other DPs from around the league, I guess like you know your Diego Valeri's, rather your uh, your Rudy Diaz's and stuff like that. Like there are players who you really can expect to heavily influence the game in a positive light every game or every match. And and I don't know. I mean, Nani does have a little bit of those consistency issues, and I would agree that sometimes he can get a little bit frustrated and can alter his play. Um, yeah, it's. It's something like I'm not necessarily, you know, I think you and Adam, you know, you have some opinions out about them and I can understand where they come from. And I wouldn't say that I necessarily share them 100 mm-hmm. percent, but I get that there is some time where. I don't know, he doesn't necessarily carry himself as you would hope, and um, he's not necessarily as impactful on the game and, and, and can sometimes even, you know, have a performance that you can even say was a net negative, which you know, I, I don't necessarily think anyone would disagree with that. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough. And I think that it's something that I might even be a little bit more biased about because he was a player I liked when I was younger or something and, like, things of that nature. But, yeah, there are just some times where he can have a little bit of a disappointing performance. Today I thought he was all right, but I do get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to talk about his replacement, Benji. I think he was not that great. Um, I do think that he came on in a weird time where we kind of lost, started to lose the um, possession battle and we started to lose our foothold in the game and he wasn't really able to make a big impact. And then he got moved to central striker where he's, you know, we all say Benji Michelle is a central striker and yes, he can play there. But when you don't play there other than 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there, you got a start two years ago against Chicago in the last game of the season there. And all of a sudden you're a central striker, you know, you're not going to be comfortable in that position. And for me, he didn't look comfortable at central striker. Not that's not me saying that he can't play there successfully. You know, he could get start, get three starts the next three games and score two goals each game. And, you know, he's our next Daryl DK breakout star. But what I am saying is he didn't look comfortable there that this game and he didn't make an impact. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance? Did you see anything you liked out of him, out of him, or was it just more of the same? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've kind of mentioned it before. I think like the last maybe twenty minutes of the game was maybe Atlanta's best spell. It was the time where I was kind of most nervous that they were going to find a way into getting a goal, especially when Josef came on. Not because he was like particularly great, but because he's just you know a player that you always have concerns about whether we like it or not. Um, he just didn't really get a chance to get too involved in, in the game. And even when he was kind of playing like as a lone central striker, like he would even kind of have to drop back a little bit because we weren't really getting on the ball too much. Um, just, and, and, you know, I mean, I say that, but I think Sylvester Vanderwater came on nine minutes later and he was able to impact the game an awful lot more. Um, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a so very good point. It, it's, it's I don't know it's it's Benji is one of the players that I'm like kind of most interested to see how he bounces back particularly in the beginning of the season what with like you know the US under 23s like the failure to qualify and he wasn't really that great in that tournament to be honest with you um not that I think you know he doesn't have the qualities to become you know a a pretty good MLS player as he's already shown like he is a very serviceable player to even a good player off the bench particularly as a bit of a super sub um but yeah, I'm just I, I want to see kind of how he bounces back, and he didn't get as much time in, in the preseason as a lot of players did. Um, and yeah, today was was a little bit disappointing. I find it hard to put all of the blame on him because I, I don't think um, we were too threatening going forward, except for Sylvester Vanderwater. So I guess that kind of I don't know like takes away my point about him. And and you know once again it could be that you know he's my profile picture on Twitter. I'm a little bit biased towards him, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's it, it, it just he wasn't too involved. And, you know, I'm not going to say that this one 20 minute spell like I'm worried about him, obviously. But, uh, you know, you would maybe like to see a little bit more. Um, and, you know, we really didn't see that. But, you know, there's 
it's a long season and I'm sure that he'll kind of settle in eventually, maybe once he starts getting some more time in training and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I would kind of echo what you're saying. Like it wasn't great. He didn't really look a hundred percent comfortable, whether it was just the position or just, you know, something else. It, it wasn't, you know, his best performance and one that I'm hoping he'll forget before long and we can move forward. What would you attribute his play style to? Like, do you think he's more transition? Do you uh, do you think he's best in possession? Where do you think he's best in terms of mm-hmm. it when we're setting up? Yeah, I wouldn't say that he's best in possession. I And, you know, there are a lot of U.S. men's national team fans who kind of got maybe their first exposure to him as a player. And mm-hmm. something that was kind of hurled at him based on his performances in the U.S. under-23s is that he's not a technical player, which I kind of find myself half agreeing, half disagreeing with. Like, I think, you know, he wasn't necessarily comfortable with that squad, so he didn't necessarily perform to his uh, his greatest abilities, but I would say that he's kind of a bit of a limited player. I think where he's best is he's a good finisher. He's able to get himself into some good um, kind of scoring positions and finding space and stuff like that, and if there is space, he's obviously a very fast player so he's able to exploit it um but i would say that maybe possession at times can be kind of one of his weaknesses even um even though he does kind of play off the wing it's something that you would like to see him improved and it's something it's one of the reasons why i still believe that he's probably best utilized as a striker because he's more than serviceable if he's given space and 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 able to kind of get in behind and, and run in and if he gets chances he I would say more often than not would put them away if they're a quality chance, but yeah, they're, you know, just, just with any young player, you kind of want to start seeing some more improvement and, you know, more generally, I'm, I'm hoping that's something that we see this year, but it wasn't the best performance against Atlanta. Now, last player we're going to go over before I have one more discussion topic I want to bring up with you. And that is Schlegel. Um, looked pretty comfortable yeah. back there. Um, mm-hmm. Your doppelganger. He he looked pretty comfortable. Um, and I would say we didn't really miss Johnson at all. Uh, could, do you think he could stake, go on to stake a claim as starting center back over Janssen? Or do you think, you know, Janssen's got that starting center back spot held down? Um, I wouldn't say that Janssen has the spot held down. I would probably say when Janssen is healthy, he's probably going to be slotted back in. Um, but yeah, I thought Rodrigo, maybe of the two center backs, was the better one. Like whenever he was on the ball, he looked immensely comfortable, even kind of stepping up into the midfield a few times, which is something that I actually kind of attribute to Janssen that he does well. So if he can kind of start showing that he has similar qualities and, and can improve in some areas, uh, you know, that would really help him, I guess, kind of in his candidacy, if you will, for, you know, Antonio Carlos's spot, because I think Carlos is pretty secure there on the right side of our back four. Which, honestly, more broadly, I thought all of them were pretty good this game. Even, you know, Kyle Smith, who was playing out of position. But, yeah, Schlegel, he looked pretty solid defensively. And, and you know, Atlanta have a lot of decent players going forward. Um, particularly, you know, like Marcelino is typically a, a very dangerous player. Um, and, you know, maybe it was just because our back line as a whole was doing well and we had our midfielders coming back. But, I, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I Atlanta didn't necessarily look overly dangerous and I think some of that has to do with our players like there were some times you know there's one moment that I'm sure was sick in people's mind where like Emerson Hinden was just kind of running at him and Schlegel dispossessed him and he just kind of ran into him like a brick wall and started bringing the play forward but yeah he he was really good and, and it's something too like we all know that for better or worse and oftentimes I think it's for better he can be a little bit of just like an absolute crazy player like a fearless player and and, and sometimes that can particularly for a defender where there's so little room for error that can kind of work to your detriment. But, you know, we didn't really see that today. And I I think he put in like a very professional performance. And even beyond that, like he was, like I said, pretty good on the ball, solid defensively. I can't really think of any errors that he committed. And to an extent, that's kind of all that you can ask for from a center back, just kind of do what you have to do and make sure you don't hurt the team, if that makes sense. Because oftentimes you won't even really realize how a center back plays. And if you are focusing too much on their play, it's oftentimes because they're doing, uh, they're, All the they're playing things. poorly, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, he was really good. And if we can start seeing some more of these um, performances consistently, I don't know when Yonson is going to be back. Uh, yeah, I think that he really can start to make a case for, if not starting in the back four, maybe being 
more of a rotational player that we see a lot more rather than just some short appearances and a start here and there. But yeah, it was it was really good. And, you know, like I said, that can go for, I think, all of our back four, honestly. Yeah, you know, just going at that back four in general, Atlanta only really had half chances. Their only real big chance was the Kyle Smith block. And, um, you know, he was close to the ball. It was, it was a very well-defended play. Didn't even have to force a save out of Galese. It wasn't even the... the I would just say that was their closest chance of getting a goal. Um, just a couple sh- sh- shots from long range that Galese had covered pretty easily. Um, I, I would attri- attribute that to our, our obviously our back four um, in our midfield. I, I think we defended well in this game, and it's always good to start off the season with a clean sheet. We did it last year against RSL, nil-nil. It's a very similar game to this, actually, in my opinion. Started off the season pretty tentative. Uh, we had a couple of decent chances. They didn't go in the net at RSL. Same exact thing happened here against Atlanta. Um, you know, I'm not too worried about the performance um, because I don't think it was a, a net negative. I think overall we were we were good enough to win this game on another day, but just we didn't create those clear-cut chances. Uh, last thing I want to say is, you know, we're not going to have a discussion on this. I was just very, very impressed with with Sylvester Vanderwater. Um, and I'm mm. looking forward to seeing him more. And I'm hoping to see him and Mueller have a have a good competition on that right hand side. Um, or possibly him and Nani have that competition and then Mueller move over to the left. That would be interesting to see. My last discussion topic is one that I promised to uh I don't know if he's a listener, but I made a comment um, to someone who made a comment on my post. So thank you for following. Thank you for commenting. I appreciate it. Uh, Talking about the weather. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, Chase. Uh, Oh, yeah, I think I put it in the the group chat and asked you guys about about the weather. Um, It was hot. No doubt about it. It it was hot. You were at the game. You you know it was hot. What, 3 p.m. kickoff um, on a sunny Saturday in Florida? April like yeah I understand my big thing is that no matter the temperature we we should still be able to play the way we want to play if we want to be successful if we want to win a trophy you know it can be you know 100 degrees out there but if if you're making the conditions affect how you play then you're not going to be any good you can't let the weather decide whether you're going to win or not. You do you agree with no. that? Do you disagree with that? Do you think that there's it's probably somewhere in the middle obviously, but I don't think we can let the weather affect whether we have a good um display. Yeah, I I think the only like real argument for not having like a three o'clock game in Florida is because it is not great for the fans and, you know, it can at times even be dangerous for the players because, you know, like things like heat stroke and if a player isn't properly hydrated, which I guess is kind of up to them, like, you know, it's a little bit of a risk, I guess. Um, but if anything, I really think that this should be more of a, a benefit towards us because, you know, we play in Central Florida and we train in Central Florida. Like we are used to the heat. We live in this. It, it's similar to kind of like, you know, say we go play against the New England Revolution uh, late into the season and, and it's pretty cold. Um, I, I don't, yeah, I, I would kind of agree with you pretty much like 100%. Like, I don't think that we should blame the weather if it alters our um, style of play, I guess, and our ability to play because both teams are kind of experiencing the exact same weather condition. They're playing on the same field, you know, and we are the ones who have you know, the most time spent, I guess we should be the most adapted to this condition. And it's, it's all about kind of keeping up with your personal uh, hydration and just overall health to make sure you're kind of prepared for this game. And I don't really think it should be considered much of a factor. And I don't ever really want to blame something on it, particularly if we're playing a team. Like I've said, I've said this like two times already, but like we are the ones that play in this exact condition every day, pretty much. <laughs> So it's just like, an excuse. We should be prepared. Yeah, it's it's. I don't think it really holds. Honestly, anyway, I know you said that it is somewhere in the middle, and honestly, I fall in the middle a lot of a lot of our discussions sometimes. But for this one, honestly, I'm kind of like adamantly like I don't think that that really 
means anything. And if anything, it should be more of an advantage to us because they're coming into our weather conditions that we are acclimated to. And it's something that we should be kind of adjusted to. And if anything, it just shouldn't have a negative impact. And yeah, it's, it, it affects everyone equally, you know, like and we're all playing in 85 degree weather. You can't say that it only affects us and it doesn't affect the other team because obviously that doesn't make sense. Like, I don't really think it's, you know, I think it's more of an excuse, as you said, than anything. Yeah. And, and you know, when coaches are sitting there looking at the game analysis and, and they're talking to their players in their, their personal meetings, they're saying, oh, well, you didn't put enough effort in here. And the player goes, well, it was hot and I was tired. Like the coach can be like, OK, well, you're not playing the next game because <laughs> yeah. it's going to be hot and you're going to be tired at this point in the game every single time you play. So that means I can't trust you. Like, no, that that's not an excuse. It's going to be hot or it's going to be cold or it's going to be perfect weather conditions. We can't only win games where it's 72 degrees out because, you know, it's 72 degrees out like once in a blue moon in Florida as is. So, like, yeah, like if if that's if that's the case, then it's almost like you can make the argument that there shouldn't even be a team in Florida, which obviously is not the case. (laughs) Right. Like it's it's just it's the nature of the beast, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that excuse would even fly when I played like high school soccer or U12 soccer or anything like that. Like it it is what it is, you know? Yeah. So that's just kind of like a pet peeve. It's not something I'm seeing Mm -hmm. everywhere, obviously, but I did. I I knew how hot it was, obviously. Um, I knew someone was going to bring it up and, and I just someone brought it up. I wanted to have that discussion. No, weather to me is not impactful. It's not impactful enough to use it as an excuse to say, yeah, that makes that makes sense as to why we maybe came out a little flat. No, mm. that ain't it. Uh, was there anything else you really wanted to touch on game wise? Was there anything that you saw that I didn't bring up that you kind of wanted to go over? Um, I don't know. We could take like a minute to talk about like Pato because I see some people saying they thought he was really good. I see some people saying they thought that he was poor. Mm, um, I, I kind of have good. trouble. Yeah, I, I have trouble sometimes kind of deciding how to evaluate strikers because there's sometimes where maybe he was a little bit slow, like we've talked about, which I guess would make sense because he was without a club for like six months. And um, did he have a full preseason or did he join us a little bit late? Oh, let me look real quick for me. uh, He joined us February 13th. So full preseason for me. It's hard. For me, it's it's pretty easy to to grade strikers performances, because if they are getting themselves in positions where they can impact the game positively by doing their job and putting the ball in the back of the net or getting assists or getting creating chances, then I think they had a good game. Yeah, obviously, you're not going to score like every single chance. Like I do think some people equate chances on fifa to chances in real life like you know you're you're an xg follower you know that even a wide open net from five yards out is still what 0.5.6 that means Uh, right i think lower if no it would be i think that would be a little bit higher but i did get what you're saying like it it you know it's still an open net an open net from five yards out let's say it's 0.7 Okay, that yeah. still means three times out of 10, you're missing the net when everyone thinks that should be 10 times out of 10. And, you know, maybe yeah. the ball bounces up, maybe it hits off the 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 bone of your ankle and goes into the freaking roof. Like, yeah. you know, these things happen and players aren't perfect. I, I think that people expect these players to just hit the B button and they're going to get that aim assist on FIFA 20 and yeah. it's going to go in top left corner. Like that being said, you see all the goals this weekend as well. And that doesn't help. <laughs> in MLS yeah, let alone going in this weekend. Like that freaking San Jose goal. There was the goal in the DC yeah. game. Like all these insane the goals. Seattle goal. Yeah. And, and Pato can't put the ball in the back of the net, but Overall, yeah, I think got it's... into posi- positions to create to impact the game positively, and so therefore, I think he had a good game. Yeah, I think that's that's I would kind of fall in line with what you're saying, and and, and like evaluation for me, like I guess I would probably agree. Like it is his number one job to score goals, and I think especially towards like you know the uh, the second half, he was 
receiving the ball, turning well, and, and getting a little bit more involved. I, I, I think he maybe kind of struggled, I want to say, a little bit in the first 20 minutes. Oh, maybe yeah, he struggled isn't, barely isn't, touched isn't, the ball. Yeah, and when he did, he, he kind of wasn't quick enough and he would lose possession or something like that. But, yeah, he got into good positions, and I think he kind of showed that he very clearly is still a talented player. Um, it's just kind of whether or not he can stay healthy. But, you know, he's a player who has played at the highest level, and he's very intelligent, and he's going to continue to get into some good shooting positions. Um, and I think, you know, as he gains some match sharpness and gets back to fitness, I still think, you know, I, I said kind of earlier, uh, or wait, I don't think it was on the podcast. I just put out a tweet, but I thought that he was going to be very good this season, and I still am kind of firmly in that camp if he can stay healthy. Um, he's still going to be in good positions. He's going to get better and better and quicker as time goes on. And I think short or before long, those chances are going to start, you know, falling for him. But, uh, yeah, I overall, I thought he was all right. You know? Yeah. And if everyone, everyone probably does or doesn't remember, I don't know, all your hot takes stay online, I feel like. But <laughs> everyone or me personally, I was someone who – wasn't a fan and was outspoken that I wasn't a fan of the transfer um, for mm. multiple different reasons because of his age, because of his injury history, because of his performance in certain competitions and other competitions. And I will say I was impressed with his first game and, and how he's been playing in preseason. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say, oh, I knew this would happen. He would get injured and and he would be horrible and he would miss chances like I was very impressed with his play. He looked very skillful, very good on the ball. Um, I thought he was going to get a goal today. He obviously, or yesterday, he or whatever. It's what Monday, <laughs> a couple days ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, two days ago. Yeah, he um he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. He impressed me. But this was part of the reason why I wasn't a fan of the transfer. Thirty-one year old years old, hadn't been with the club for a while. Had a couple more months to go. He did get a full preseason, and yet in the first game, you know, non-contact, a little bit of contact injury, jumping over the ball, very unlucky, but now we're without our, you know, our Tam striker or whatever for for a couple weeks. No, he's not Tam. He's not? He's regular? Okay, well, we're, yeah, we're that, without that's, our... That's one of the reasons that I'm really all right on the uh, transfer. I don't, he's not, obviously, he's not a DP. I'm, like, 98% sure he's not even a Tam striker. Like, it would suck if he got injured. But even if, which, you know, knock on wood, I guess, even if he were, was to get like a long-term injury, you know, I don't necessarily think a lot is lost, but I do understand what you're saying. Like if we are going to put a lot of attacking onus on him and he has this kind of high proximity to get injured, particularly just because he's not fit and hasn't played at the highest level in a while, um, it, it's a bit of a risk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's definitely a risk. And you know, hopefully he comes back in a couple of weeks and, you know, he can get back to full fitness and we're not battling with this for the whole season, but I have a sneaky feeling we might be. And that's what's going to frustrate me about this mm -hmm. transfer. You know, no matter how cheap it is, if you're not going to be able to play, then why yeah. are we giving you money at all? That sort of for thing. Sure. Yeah, uh, overall, you. though, I was very impressed with his performance um, and hopefully I'm hoping he comes back because I think he, he will be, like you said, a good player for us this season. Just matters if he can stay off the IR list. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, no one can predict that. So I suppose the only thing we can do is keep our fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, man. All right, I think that's a good mm -hmm. place to leave it. Nil-nil draw against Atlanta United. We spent just over an hour talking about it. Uh, who do we have up next? It's a Western Conference. Is it uh, SKC? Yeah, it's SKC. Ooh, and then we got Cincinnati SKC. week after, so... Oh, uh, hopefully a lot of points coming in the them. future. Yeah. Cincinnati did not look good against Nashville, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> all righty. So away to SKC. We won their last season. Hopefully, uh, obviously, they don't have Matt Beasler to mess up for us a couple times like they did last season. But hopefully we can go there and do the business. Friday night, 730. We will be there after the game to have a podcast review. Hopefully with all four of us. If not, maybe it'll just be me and Chase again having this discussion. Maybe we'll just make me and Chase the podcast. Um, that's it. We'll just the get Lions Blog Super Adam. League. Yeah. <laughs> Lions Blog Super League, Chase and Gavin. Yeah. We'll do that for Patreon content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got to pay an exorbitant amount of money to hear that. Yeah. $25 a month. 
All right, guys. It's been fun, Chase. Um, Good chat talking to you. And where can our listeners find you at? Uh, Right now, you can find me at VamosOCSE on Twitter, talking and complaining about the European Super League. Yes, sir. You can find me in the middle of a transfer rumor to Orlando. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm going to hopefully be at Orlando city soon in terms of the city itself not the actual club yeah getting that house (laughs) the the zip code (laughs) (laughs) moving to orlando i'm very excited i'm gonna be at a lot more games hopefully you can meet some of you you lovely listeners in person go out for drinks or something uh meet up before games i'm really really excited um but yeah so all good things to come here at lions blog hopefully gonna be a good season thanks for spending your time with us chase you have a good rest of your night man you too. Chance!